Hi guys and welcome back to the Fill Your Boots podcast. Today I have the pleasure of being joined by Paul Standall, online coach and educator and co-founder of the PT Project. Lovely to have you on. How are you? I'm very well, Philly. Thank you very much for uh, for having me on. And great work on the title. Fill Your Boots is a strong name. I'm here I'm here for the wordplay. <laughs> you have a podcast, right? Do you know how hard it is to find a podcast name that isn't taken? Like it yeah. honestly so hard. <laughs> yeah, we, we we didn't come up with a good name. We just literally went the PT Project podcast. Da da. <laughs> Which frankly, <laughs> that's, that's that's true that's true but your yeah but then yours feels like you know more work went into that we just stuck the word podcast on the end of it that's kind of cheating when I tell you <laughs> I was literally googling names for probably <laughs> an entire day before I found something that wasn't taken was it just one of those ones as well where it like oh that's the one like when you thought of it or came across it you're like yes 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 was it one when of those I, when I got there yeah. when I got there and trust me I was knackered at that point I was like nothing's coming to me <laughs> They're weird things when you try naming stuff. I remember when we were naming the PT project and, you know, you, you're spending days, sometimes weeks being like, names, what could personal trainer, biomechanics, uh, uh, and you're just chucking stuff out and half of it is complete bollocks. And <laughs> you're like, that doesn't work as a name at all. And you're doing it while you're like walking around the shop. So I'm like, oh, I'm just going to get this apple here. What about this as a name? And you're like, this is just dumb. So you get yeah, these weird yeah. bits. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I kept having so many moments where I was like, that's so good. And then I Google it and it's like someone else has it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh no. Nice, we nice. Well, thanks for having me on anyway. So I, I look forward to the rest of the conversation on the Fill Your Boots podcast. Yeah, we'll just plug that one again. <laughs> there we go. I thought I'd say it again for you. <laughs> oh, no, it's so good to have you on. Um, For those of you that don't follow Paul, you're absolutely hilarious on your Instagram. I love that because this industry can get so heavy and you actually are so mm. lighthearted you're willing to take the piss have a joke and I really like that so respect for that well thanks very much I know I, I I completely agree I think like so much of the industry takes itself so seriously and there's a time and a place for that there are serious things sometimes that people go through um that you know we deserve to to treat with some respect but you know, those are generally like private, like one-to-one -one conversations. And that's not really what your social media is kind of like. You know, you're, you're talking, yes, to a person on the other end of the phone, but you're also talking to loads of people simultaneously. And so most of those people want to be a bit entertained. They're not come, they don't go to Instagram primarily just for education. You Google shit when you just... So yeah. for me, it's like, well, can, can I have... Also, by the way, if you're a content creator of some kind, if it's not fun, you'll hate doing it after like three weeks. So, you know, if, if you are someone who likes to make jokes and make fun of stuff, and I am, just why put that in your content. Like, that's just, I want your content to be you. I want I want it to feel a bit like, well, okay, when you watch me on whatever I'm doing, it to feel like the same kind of person that's on the podcast or the same kind of person that you'd meet if we went for a coffee or a chat or whatever. Yeah. And, okay, I might amplify bits of it, but I'm still going to make the same and inappropriate comments for stuff because that's kind of what I'm like in person and, like, you know, Put your personality on online. So thank you very much. I, I appreciate it very much. So it does feel like now I have to live up to being funny on this. And so I, I, I dislike that you've had to put that on there. So thanks. No pressure whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, one of your posts that I saw recently that I absolutely loved was your controversial things that you think about the health and fitness 
related topics and honestly it's hilarious because as I say it's again something people take so seriously and I love just having that open chat because I think we all think the same thing but just don't say it to each other <laughs> so, so 100% yeah I mean there's loads of that the amount of time when you put stuff like that out usually what you'll get is like one or two people being offended by something that you've said uh, and they'll comment and that seems to put off other people saying things that they mean like I I would still encourage you, like, don't just say awful stuff that you don't necessarily mean, like, just for the sake of of it. But, like, if you genuinely think that, usually I get a crap load of messages being like, dude, I've wanted to say that for ages. <laughs> or yeah. I've thought the, thought the same thing. Like, what's, what, I mean, that suggests, Philly, that then you have controversial things that you think about <laughs> health and fitness. So, like, yeah. what, what, are, what are yours? I'm going to try and out you on your own podcast uh, with the uh, heinous things that you think. I don't know. Well, I mean, I had a post, a controversial post go like yeah. wild the other day. Not the other day. It was probably a few weeks ago. It was about body positivity. And naturally, mm. it brought a hell of a lot of hate to the table. <laughs> um, lots of people agreeing, lots of people disagreeing. But do you know what? Yeah. I truly, like, honestly believe it. I was was... Yeah, yeah, go for it. What was the post? The concept was... I am fully behind being body positive and being body confident. That's all well and good. But there's a line when you're, you know, when you're either, either spectrum, either end of the spectrum, right? You're either really obese or you're really underweight. Like it's factual that that isn't healthy. So we don't want to be there. And it's fine if you're there, if you could be one of those two people right now, as long as you're working towards change in which case yeah cool you can be body positive but if you're just there and you're like putting strain on the nhs you know putting strain on your family members like ultimately they're the people that are gonna have to pick up the slack like i just don't think we should be promoting that personally yeah it's it's a strange one isn't it because i think people as well do something where if you criticize part of a movement in that way you're often seen to then be being an asshole to people directly it's as though if i criticize the concept that maybe actually you can't be healthy at every size regardless of the slogan right because well i can definitely be so thin that i die of something right so hard to be healthy when you're dead uh, and then on the flip side, right, when you're when you're really really large and i don't know where the exact dividing line is but if you don't think there's a point at which 200 stone Right. I'm going to go out on a limb. If you're 200 stone as a human being, you're too big. You've gone too far. Right. Yeah. Well, somewhere. Bro kilos and 200 stone. <laughs> right. There's the kind of gray stuff and it's all a bit weird. And maybe it's not healthy to be the extreme ends. Whoever knows where those bits happen to lie. But if you criticize that, it's almost as though you're going, you're saying, and therefore you as a whole person are bad. And that's not what that should mean. That's not what that means at all. Like if I describe you as slow, you don't like physically slow, not like mentally slow, <laughs> right? Then you don't take that as a criticism of your entire being. And yet yeah. sometimes somehow some of this stuff has turned into, if we have a conversation about it, like it's like a criticism of their whole essence of being. Like I think you're not worthy of love and respect because you're carrying too much body fat. And it just strikes me as a fucking dumb place and then no one really talks to each other and it, most people do genuinely i think go along with the idea of like yeah look being bigger at some point makes you less attractive to the vast majority of people 
mm-hmm. like is that is that really so surprising <laughs> like like i don't think it is and you know you can go well not to everyone and that's fine because you look some people fuck horses and stuff so you're gonna find some outliers of shit right yeah i'd said that on your podcast right <laughs> but <laughs> You can't take outliers to tell us something about the the species as a whole. And so you can be, no one looks at people when they come out of like fucking prisoner of war camps and Auschwitz and goes, they look sexy. So we're not saying that like super, 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 super thin either is often seen as hypersexual. It's, it's so very, very not. And nor's the opposite. And, you know, we can argue with that, but like no one is also buying calendars of Barry from EastEnders and slamming them on the wall. No, they look like Chris Hemsworth and shit. And, you know, Barry from EastEnders is wonderful. He's because Sean, whatever his name, he's got a lovely voice. I'm sure he's a great guy, but he's not, he's not a sex symbol. That's not what he's leveraging himself on. And that's why is that so difficult to say when we all know it to be true, really? I think so. I think part of the problem was that, I posted it and I'm someone who's clearly into fitness, but I wasn't hey, saying that, here, <laughs> Oh mate, but, but I wasn't sat there saying that everyone needs to be this into fitness. Like that's not what it is. Yeah. Like you can be way curvier than me and still not be at that extreme. And that's fine. Like if you're happy there, be there. Like I don't have an issue with that, but Or it's things like you can you can you can still choose to smoke. You can do kind of what you like with your life, but it, it's rare that smokers are like, I think this is healthy, <laughs> right? Like just own the possible consequences. Consequences aren't equal for everyone. We all have heard stories of smokers who smoked till they were 174 and seem to be completely fine, right? There are going to be outliers. There are going to be people who are carrying a lot of excess body fat who don't have a problem across the course of their life as a result of their weight. But yeah. that's statistically unlikely. Like that's... I, again, it, it blows my mind that that would be controversial, but you're, you know, you're right. It is controversial. And you did bring, you brought the smoke on yourself. <laughs> what do you think of this comment then? Right. So if some, um, somebody said, what if I don't want to be healthy or what if they don't want to be healthy? I think, so you've actually touched on something within this because you mentioned NHS. Um, so <laughs> I live in oh, almost two <laughs> Right. Exactly. Right. So I live in almost two worlds with this, because on one hand, I'm very pro whatever you want to do with your life, as long as it doesn't impact on others. Be my guest. I don't care. But it does fall down at a certain level, because if everyone acts in a particular manner um, within a system that has finite resources and that we have to share those resources and pay into them, then it does. It no longer is that bit where this doesn't impact on others. It actually does now start to impact on others. And we're fortunate to have the NHS in in, in this country and in the UK for those abroad listening. Uh, If you hadn't figured that out by our very British accents. (laughs) (laughs) And that service is getting overwhelmed. And lots of the chronic diseases come about by not enough activity and no, not the only things, of course, but they're of course they're part of the dialogue, and so it gets it's this really difficult place where I'm like, okay, I, I if you don't want to be healthy, cool, right? I, who am I to convince you necessarily otherwise? But should and on a personal level, that's fine. I think perhaps on a um, governmental level, a societal level, and the things that we try to put out through society, I think there probably should be. Um, some policy for those bits and pieces because I'm not the one making the decisions because I don't, I don't, I definitely don't know what the right way of navigating that world is. Um, but yeah, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think 
I'm all for people doing what they want to do, but the buck doesn't just stop with you if you're, you know, extremely obese. Like, like, like think of your family, for example. Like, they're going to be the people, your kids are going to be, be the people that care for you when you're older if you've landed yourself with all these problems and the NHS and all of that. I think it's... It, I just think at the moment, and I want to say, like, okay, let's start by saying I have no issue with anyone who wants to do anything in their life. Here comes the caveat before the hate, right? I don't know how to even say this because I feel like I just get slammed whenever I say I'm it. Gonna, I'm looking forward to it. Say it. <laughs> like, I, like, if you want to be gay, you want to be trans, you want to be whatever the hell you want to be, I don't care. Like, you do you. Sure. But I feel like at the moment we're just having it like thrown in our faces so much with like all of it. And like, I, I appreciate there are people in the world that are not going to be as like the same as me about it. They like, they might have a problem with it in which case, yeah. Okay. We need to educate them on that. But I think so many things like this are just being forced on us at the moment. Same with body positive, posit- uh, can't speak body positivity. God, I can't get my words out. Um, but like we're seeing it so much, like yeah. more than necessary, is my opinion. Actually, I have, I have a slight theory on where this all came from because I think you're touching on something where we're we're in, encapsulating a lot of the the isms that maybe come out, right? And I actually think a lot of this stuff starts from a position of kindness that goes too far. Yeah. So it starts from this position of not wanting to judge people and to. T- equally and then recognizing that people aren't treated equally amongst for a variety of reasons and to be like well you know that's unfair and we need this fairness in the world and so to criticize anything is to be too judgmental and so we shouldn't and so anything that criticizes anything is 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 unkind and therefore something we shouldn't be aiming at you know the slogan that everyone wanted to chuck around a few years ago is be kind always <laughs> which always struck me as annoying because i'm like always Always is a lot of situations. Like if someone's trying to stab me, I know I'm not going to be fucking kind to them, right? I want to kick them in the face, right? Like there are lots of situations where kindness is not the response that's probably appropriate to the situation. Be kind as a default. Yeah, cool. Be my guest. Doesn't really sound as good as a slogan. But I think if we start from that premise, well, if the moment we start going, some bodies look better than others, well, we've made a judgment. And if you don't fit within that, that realm of what we're saying is attractive, quote unquote, then you are going to be judged for that. And that isn't kind to you because you're going to feel worse about yourself within that. And I don't want you to feel worse about yourself within that. So the only way we can get to that point is we're not allowed to judge anything, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Except, of course, being judgmental. You're allowed to judge judgment. Um, but outside of that, there's there's not this thing. And I, I think that plays out across a lot of domains, but it, it, runs, into the, it runs into reality. And the, the reality is, whether you want to measure it as Tinder swipes, I don't care, that some bodies are more attractive. They get more attention. Some faces get more attention than others. Some personalities get more attention than others. We have no, I don't think we seem to have a problem with going, there are differing levels of intelligence, but we seem to have a problem currently with saying there are differing levels of attractiveness. And you know, look, if the only thing you are is attractive, fucking have a word with yourself and be more, right? Like, <laughs> like that's not a great thing. You're going to depreciate. You're going to age that ain't going to go well for you if the only thing you have to offer the world is your face and your physique. But let's not go too far the other way and pretend that it doesn't confer some benefit and that it's not advantageous. And that if you weren't being handed out the deck of cards, you wouldn't be like, I'll take Brad Pitt's face, please. Like, because yes, I would. Yes, I would. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, 
I, I yeah anyway I, I don't see why that is is such a big thing but I think it comes from the kindness going too far concept yes there you go. I agree and that actually took me down a, a kind of another rabbit hole <laughs> just yeah. um, I was thinking about um you know people well like myself want to get into better shape sometimes mm. that gets slammed as well because we should yeah. love ourselves how we are and not work for work to be better and I really yeah. disagree with that and it's not to say that I don't respect myself how I look now that's not what it mm. is but equally I would like to be fitter and stronger and have more muscle and apparently that's a bad thing sometimes as well and it's confusing yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I get well. I, I think it comes from a similar premise because the whole premise of being better or worse at something is contingent on a like a, a value ladder, right? Like this is better than that, and that's why I aim at it. So it's better to it's faster. It's better to be stronger. It's better to uh, right, whatever. Now there are some things that you might go not forever. <laughs> like <laughs> infinite muscle might be a bit weird, right? <laughs> Probably. You know, I'm now the size of some kind of rhino human. You were like, That's, you're not supposed to be a rhino, you're a human, right? So I get that it doesn't apply to everything. But the the idea of improvement is predicated on a concept that something is better than something else. Mm-hmm. And so we're back at the same issue of going, either we get rid of the concept of improvement, which is contingent on being or, oh, crap, we're back judging stuff, and then it, it gets awkward again. But they're, they're even, they're even I think, inconsistent with it because no one seems to have a problem with the goal of strength. Like you're allowed to aim at that. You're allowed to aim at that, right? You're allowed to aim at being faster. You're allowed to aim at being more flexible. You are not, however, allowed to look better. <laughs> yeah. and, and we've decided that's the one. We'll, we'll put this as the outlier <laughs> and stick it on a thing. And you're like, why? And it, again, it's just because some people feel bad because when you st- – look, I, that thing, I suppose, uh, where we, we've stood – around someone who's super attractive and went, man, I look like a mole, <laughs> right? Or you've stood, in the, you've, you've had a conversation with someone who's uber wealthy and you went, fuck, I am poor, right? Like we can't help but compare ourselves to situations. That's one of the inevitabilities of, of being human. And sometimes with the comparison, as the old saying goes, comparison is the thief of joy and all that stuff, right? It's like, well, that's only one way of using comparison. Comparison can also be aspirational. It can also be standard that we aspire to within things. It's not just a negative, <laughs> right? And we often treat it as though, oh, there's no upside to comparison. Yes, there is. Otherwise, we wouldn't have exams or anything, in which case anyone could be a doctor. And you don't want everyone to be a doctor because I want a surgeon to have passed some qualifications before he does his surgery on me. I don't want just Dave off the street being like, yeah, I can fucking do this. It's like, no, you can't, Dave. No, you can't. <laughs> You're not up to standard. And yeah, anyway, I'm ranting again. <laughs> no, it's good. Honestly, hits a nail on the head. It really does. So go on, throw another controversial opinion at me. In fitness, um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're picking on the same theme, so I feel bad for, for this. <laughs> but, uh, I would say the side of things coming in and lots of it is I've been through a shitload of therapy. I had OCD um, myself. I'm very open about all these bits and pieces and the the benefits that those things have had on my life. However, I think it's sometimes taken that if you criticize any of the psych stuff that comes out of things, then you must be, again, a complete asshole who's anti all of those things. And it's lazy thinking. Um, So my I have two within the psychology realm that currently annoy me, one of which is the use of the word unconditional. So unconditional 
permission to eat unconditional. This comes from an old Carl Rogers thing, um, which was unconditional positive regard. The unconditional positive regard, meaning I want the best for my client, for my patient, whatever, unconditionally. But that's not now any possible exception. So if I come in and I start stabbing you in the leg, you still need to want the best for me as we go through these bits and pieces. Unconditional permission to eat means I should be allowed to eat a baby if I wanted to eat a baby, right? Because, well, it either you're saying there's a couple of things, maybe don't eat those, maybe don't eat uranium, maybe don't eat children, maybe don't be a cannibal, right? Well, then you've given me conditions. <laughs> now, they might be extreme outliers, don't exist, so they do exist, right? And so, well, then... And now the, the counter I've heard to that sometimes is that, well, no, you don't have un unconditional permission to, to do stuff without consequences, but you have unconditional permission to eat. I'm like, no, what you're saying then is you have unconditional permission to think about things. And that's always been the case. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, thanks very much. I can imagine eating a fucking unicorn. They don't exist. Right. <laughs> right. So saying I have unconditional permission to imagine stuff isn't to eat to eat is an active verb it's not a thought it's a doing thing where i put things into my mouth right yeah. and so either there are some exceptions to that in which case let's not use the word unconditional because it's no longer unconditional and also like no, it would be fine to just call it permission to eat the word unconditional doesn't add anything to it just you have yeah. permission to eat yeah no one's like that's missing some stuff it's mainly because people are like what about skittles do i have permission to eat those yes what about uh, donut to eat those? Yes. Chocolate. Yes. Right. And da, 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 da. Oh, fuck it. It's unconditional. You have unconditional permission. You right. So maybe it came from something like that, just frustration. But it's not unconditional because otherwise Jeffrey Dahmer's allowed to start chowing down. And I don't think people are OK with that. So that's one. And then the second one is the use of the word radical. Okay. People started putting radical in front of honesty, kindness, acceptance. Right. You, and it's not enough to be honest. Now you have to, we're after radical honesty. We're after radical compassion, radical. No, that's like saying I'm after radical honesty. That doesn't mean anything more than just using the word radical, right? Like all it means is you didn't think honesty meant honesty. So putting the word radical in front of it somehow changes it. It's like, no, it doesn't. If honesty is either honesty or you weren't being honest, right? Yes. You don't need to qualify it with this fucking radical thing. Um, so that annoys me. So that, that was a bit of a rant there. So I apologize. <laughs> That's good. It's true. It is so true. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what we're doing these days. Honestly, everything is getting so out of hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, the next topic I wanted to chat about was another thing. Wow, I'm just ranting on this podcast. Honestly, another <laughs> thing that really grinds my gears is lack of education through a lot of quote unquote professionals in this industry. You know, there's sure. all you can pay, pay for is like a really basic personal training course, which really isn't very hard um, yeah. to end up with the same job title as you, me, the next person, whatever. We're all the same, technically. Um, what is your take on like how this industry is evolving, um, particularly now online coaching is kind of growing by the day? I feel like everyone is doing it almost their dog is an online coach yeah um I, i'm almost there's i think there's two sides to it probably the one is 
with that low barrier to entry, lots of people get to come and be a part of it. And I probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a relatively low barrier to entry in terms of getting into it. Like if I had to go to university to do it, like I went to drama school of all things years and years ago uh, and did that for, for three years. And the reason I first became a PT 12 years ago was I wanted a job I could still and I could still do around jobs that I didn't hate because I didn't want to be a waiter. Uh, I didn't want to work in a call center and the usual kind of actory jobs. And so it was either this or driving instructor. <laughs> I'm yeah. very glad I picked this. And um, so without that kind of lowish barrier to entry that I could qualify in like three months or something, um, I wouldn't be here. And so I think it opens the door to lots of people that might not otherwise have the opportunity to discover this as a career and the things that it can bring. And it can be a great career. But it's also barrier to entry, hugely missold, right? Like you, you are often told you're going to be earning fifty pounds an hour straight out the gate. You know you won't need that many clients. You're going to be fine. You're going to be us. Oh, going to be nice. You pick your hours. Da 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 da. And you qualify, and then you realize you don't know anything, <laughs> and you're deeply uh, and ineptly qualified for the reality of what that job entails. Um, and that's why the attrition rate in our industry is is horrifying. It's, I don't know, something like seven, eight months is the industry average, I think, currently, from when someone qualifies to when like, that's you, weirdos who've been doing it for a decade and, and what have you. And I think it's mainly that way because what you're qualified at, the level you're qualified at, is so low. And the um, the sheer number of different skills you actually need to have to make it as a, a viable business, if we start in person, then maybe we talk about online afterwards, is there's quite a lot, right? You're going to need to know training to a reasonable degree. You need to know some nutrition to a reasonable degree. You need to be a personal person, right? So you can actually have conversations with people because turns out being a personal trainer is about the personal side of things. Um, you're going to need to know a little bit about kind of marketing and what products are and how you sell things. You're going to need to be relatively self-motivated because no one's giving you these clients. They're, they're coming from you, uh, usually walking the floor and, and interacting with people, depending on the kind of gym that you work at. And you're going to work crap hours. <laughs> yeah. I, the morning uh, and then later in the evening and often with a crap load of gaps in the middle of the day. And you might be doing weekends as well. And you might not have two days off back to back like most people have of a Saturday and a Sunday. You might take Saturday and Wednesday off or Sunday and Thursday or something kind of weird or just Sunday, right? Uh, or no day, right? And it, all these things, I think, just make it this crap experience for the first year-ish of being a trainer. So if you've got past the first 18 months, chances are you kind of know what the job is is more like. And you'll you'll have realized if you made it that far, shit, I don't know that much and I need to learn stuff. Yeah. And so if you treat the qualification as a foot in the door, a necessary first step towards treating yourself as a professional, then it then it's fine. If you treat it as I'm I'm there now, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah. no, like, no, you're not. So I mean that's how I feel about it. How do you feel about it? No, I completely agree. It's it's the self-motivation to want to educate yourself that makes the difference between someone who's really shit <laughs> and someone that's really good, for lack of a better phrase. Sorry about that. Yeah. No, no. It's also, it, it, it can be really hard when you're first starting out as well. You're not earning much. And so, you know, reinvesting that in yourself can feel like, oh God, that's, I'm, I, I've only earned 1200 quid this month. What do you mean that thing costs 400, right? Or 600 or however much it, it starts to be. 
But and this is one of the benefits if you get into this as a younger person, late teens, early twenties type thing, and you're fortunate enough to still live at home and you've got few outgoings. Please, for the love of God, reinvest in yourself. It's harder when people are forty and they've got kids and they've got these extra things. But in my experience, and basically everyone I know who's turned this into a career and has a good living from it and enjoys the job and all that stuff, they've all spent a pretty decent chunk of money going on courses, educating themselves, and they still continue to do all of those bits and pieces. For my own career, year on year, the more I spent on myself from going on courses and, and what have you, the more I earned. And the more I felt comfortable working with different people and the better my career became and the more opportunities opened up for me as well. And so I think you have to treat it that way of you have to invest in yourself. I would say at least 10%, probably 20% of your income, maybe even a bit more in the early couple of years should be reinvested going on courses from people that you think they seem pretty good, right? And and learning from them. And I don't care if those courses have qualifications or not attached to them. Those pieces of paper don't really mean anything, <laughs> right? Clients don't ever ask you for them. They're sort of just a bit made up. Like, again, we're not surgeons. It's not that level of thing that we're having to kind of deal with. Downside to that, there's a bunch of crap <laughs> courses that will take your money and a bunch of really good ones. Annoyingly, the really good ones tend to be the more expensive ones because that's kind of the way most things work. So um, yeah, that's the, that's the in-person side. I mean, what's your experience then? In fact, you've just started doing in-person-y kind of things. Yeah. How's that? How's that going for you? Yeah, I was saying to you before this podcast, wasn't I? I absolutely love working with people face to face. And the reason why I started to do a bit more of that is because I've turned into a hermit working behind my laptop, <laughs> um, online coaching my life away, which I absolutely love. But I live by myself and I don't see people. So I sort of got to a point where I was like, just right. lonely, just playing Akon songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so easy to do that. Well, I think most of the industry is heading towards. I think hybrid-y stuff. So historically, before online coaching was a thing, before social media, right? Yeah. You were a personal trainer and you'd often run classes. So people might do body pump or they might do spin or whatever else, right? And so the way your week might look is you might be doing five classes, 50 PT sessions on the gym floor as a fitness instructor. And so you had these like three different hats that you were kind of wearing and doing. Well, online coaching is just an addition to that. Most trainers probably are going to be using a combination of these things. So they might have a few online clients. They might have some in-person clients. They might still run a class or two, whatever. I think yeah. it's easier. I would say this. I would say it's easier to grow an in-person PT business than it is to grow an online PT business. The, the competition, and unless you've got a big following, you know, if you've only got a few that like a few hundred to a few thousand followers, you can leverage that and you can earn good money, but you need to know really well how to run an online business. And that has precisely nothing to do with any of the skills that make you a good trainer. Oh yeah. Like so precisely true. nothing, <laughs> but it's a necessary component to that thing. It's all going to be content creation and marketing and understanding products and understanding a demographic and what they need from you and whether that's even viable. Mm. None of that has anything to do with a split squat, <laughs> right? Or, you know, or, or discussing protein timing. Like it's nothing to do with it. It, yeah. it is a completely different skill set, but it's a necessary one if you want to be just an online coach. And then if you do make it just as an online coach, crap, it's just you sat behind a desk. You've got an office job now, <laughs> which might not be why you first got into this thing. So um, it, I think, if anything, the barrier to being an online coach is lower than uh, it is to being 
I would also say because the competition maybe is that much higher, yeah. a lot of, is this true? I don't know if this is true. I'd say a lot of the crap ones will just fizzle out and they won't go anywhere. But what you might find is what we could call the influencer side of things, right? Yeah. People with big followings who are in great shape because, you know, they, they take some steroids and bang some cocaine, right? And, uh, <laughs> and then go to Ibiza. And so they've got great bodies. Uh, and so we look at them and go, they're in shape. Right, yeah. Let's do what they're doing, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and off they go. And so they sell a program and it's, you know, maybe not that great, but they've got hundreds of thousands of followers. And so that influences things, hence probably the name influencer. Um, so maybe there's that side of things. I mean, have you got more kind of thoughts on on that side of it? Do you see more of that side of it? I see a lot of that side of it. Right, I think, okay. Yeah. <laughs> People that have got in good shape themselves or have like really good genetics in the first place. Um mm that then consider themselves an online coach with no qualifications whatsoever. And then off they go. Yeah. 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 And like, you know, on one level, you know, more power to you, I suppose, in terms of, okay, you've, you've, you've leveraged a product and, uh, and, and made something kind of work. But uh, it, if you look at it from the consumer perspective, it's probably not the best for the, the person on the other end of, of that thing. I don't know what you do about it. Cause I, I, I have no idea how you would, even begin to regulate it like the in-person stuff is, is regulated piss poorly as it is uh let alone online we've got a client in the uk like how do you regulate that how do you enforce that i have no idea <laughs> um so i i, I think sorry no, no no go 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 i generally think like if someone was to sign up with that person they'll find out sooner or later that it probably wasn't a good idea that's how yeah. it happens but unfortunately they'll probably have to go through that process to figure out that it wasn't a great idea at the end of it yeah i think that's right I th usually over time people get found out yeah um and unless they've got a giant following where they can afford a huge churn rate of just people coming in and going out and going in and going out right and all that kind of stuff and if you've got a huge number of people going through your program, you'll get results because, you know, the 0.1% of people who stick to the ridiculous thing you've got as your program yeah. will might get a great result. And then you get to use those as your testimonials. And, you know, if you've got 20 of those on a web page, suddenly it's like, oh, this looks pretty good, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter that you know, 19,000 other people did it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. From it, you're only seeing this sort of small um, subset of that. So, Hopefully they, you, I think over time, most of them do get found out if they are that way inclined. Um, but there will be some who, who, who get away with it. I suppose one of the hard parts, if you're a coach, then listening to this is it means you're tarnished a little bit with the same brush in the eyes of, again, the consumer. I had online coaching before and that was, it was shit. Yeah. You know, I had, I had PT before and it was shit. I had physio before and it was shit. It's like, well, <laughs> the, there can be different pts and loads of different online coaches and lots of different physios some of them are great yeah. some of them are not mm -hmm. and yet they all come under the same name um and i don't but the problem is i again i these are some of those issues i don't have a great solution for like i often try and maybe liken this one to um a car mechanic yeah. right like i don't know much about cars my car mechanic could make up parts of the engine to me and tell me yeah. that they're broken and stuff. And I'd be like, okay. <laughs> I, I don't know enough to evaluate the bullshit. Yeah. And I think most clients are in a similar boat, right? You you know the word femur, right? You fucking hell, right? It must be a genius. You should be a doctor, right? Uh, and, and because they don't know anything else, we default to what we can see. 
which is they're in shape. That's visual proof that they can at least get themselves in shape. Sweet. That guy's a millionaire. I'll go to him for financial advice over the broke guy. Now, the, that, you know, that might mean the broke guy knows and it went terribly. Who knows? But if you were just asking statistically, I'd probably, even myself, want to go and talk to the millionaire before the homeless dude about economic things. But I might be wrong. And I think that's probably how the vast majority of the population see trainers yeah. of like, that one's in shape. They must know because <laughs> they don't know enough to, to solve the things otherwise. So sadly, I don't have, I, I, it, I'll be honest, this actually bothers me less than it used to in, in the first maybe four or five years of being a trainer. It used to annoy me. They're like, same as if I went around the gym and I saw like shit trainers training people and, and stuff, yeah. it'd bug me. I'd be like, Listen, fuck it. I don't even know what they're doing. <laughs> I've been, <laughs> once you've been doing, I think at a certain point, you just start letting go of it because you just spend too long annoyed. Yeah. Um, so at this point, I'm like, yeah, all right. All yeah, that's, that's probably where I sit. Yeah, kind of. I know. Recently, I launched a, a photo shoot challenge, which I've done. I did a couple of years ago with a really... Because you hate hate fat people, right? That's, that's, yeah. uh, that's what that means, right? <laughs> that's so, all yeah. it is. Yeah, I just want to <laughs> get people in shape. <laughs> um, no. Um, I did it a couple of years ago with a group of girls. It was amazing. I had so much fun. Launched it again this year. And I got a message from someone that was like, you copied my idea doing this photo shoot. (laughs) Well, I have no idea who you are for starters. So I was like, "Um, come again. I'm not the only person in the world to have run a photo shoot challenge before. I'm impressed. I'm impressed that someone claimed that that was theirs. So funny, it's like you haven't painted this. And I looked on her profile and she ran one well after I did my first one. So I was like, right, if we're oh, gonna do this, like I'm gonna, I, you should start just using this as a thing. I might just start DMing people being like, you stole my idea. <laughs> stole Regardless it. of what the idea is, it just be like, that's so weird. Why would you so weird. some people, I literally people never are super like that. Yeah, some people are just super jealous and a bit bitter often especially if things aren't going that well for them and it looks like they're going well for you they're like she stole my idea <laughs> like <laughs> like all right it's just like i don't think she did because it's just doing a photo shoot with a group of people i'm i'm pretty confident that's not a super niche idea right <laughs> i don't think so, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah that's weird that's quite funny though <laughs> so if we're gonna dial it down to your fitness journey we've all made like so many mistakes oh well I'm speaking on behalf of myself I have made so many mistakes over the years what do you think your biggest mistakes have been and there's <laughs> a lot of them if there's anything like me yeah that's, that's gonna be loads uh <laughs> so I mean as a as a coach I've got probably a few stories that um that stick out so the <laughs> So the very first class, it always starts well when you're giggling at your own story. Um, so the very first class I ever ran was a circuit class. And, right, I was working on the gym floor. I was still finishing off my level three, right? So you do your level two fitness instructing, your level three is your personal training one, if you're not familiar with it. So I'd done my level two. I've been working on the gym floor for, you know, a couple of months or something. I'd done a couple of my class qualifications, right? And I was I was excited because on the Thursday or the Friday, whatever day or manager came in and was like paul can you run the circuits class on tuesday evening for me i was like yes fine this is my chance right <laughs> this is where my fitness journey is going to begin and uh so you know i spent a couple of days writing out my circuits class like <laughs> like i was training some kind of olympic athlete and it really needs to be done hugely ahead of time to create the greatest circuits class anyone <laughs> had ever been a part 
right? So I'm writing out my kind of things, et cetera. And I'm, I'm, I'm a bit nervous, but I'm looking forward to it. Then Tuesday rolls around. It's an 8 p.m. kind of class. And if you've been to a first part of the circus class is a demo of the things, right? You kind of go around the stations and be like, and we've got push-ups here, and this is a wall squat, and then you're going to throw this and blah, blah, blah. And one of the moves that I had in there was a med ball chest pass. Okay. okay? So in partners, I throw this med ball to you, you catch it, and then you throw it back to me. I can and so I borrowed, yeah. so I borrowed a girl uh, to help demo this particular exercise. And I threw this ball and hit her square in the face with oh, this ball, right no. in the nose. Yep, started bleeding. She started crying. I was like, oh my, oh my God. I'm about two, three minutes into the start of the class and I've given a girl a nosebleed and she's like, I'm, so I'm panicking. like, fuck, 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 fuck. Right? She starts to eventually calm down, but I'm now sort of super aware this is not a solid start to my, to my circuits class. And then... Because, you know, this isn't bad enough by itself. I had, this was back in the days when, uh, and this has done much less now, BOSU. I had a BOSU ball squat. If you're not familiar with the BOSU ball, it's like half a fit ball with a flat surface on one side, right? So it's unstable. And <clears throat> so I had this BOSU ball squat. And so time to demo it. So I jump on the, the BOSU ball and fall immediately off the other side because uh, I'm definitely nervous and land square on my back, like for them. <laughs> and so within the first you know, few minutes of this class, I've hit a girl in the face with a med ball and I demonstrate squatting. So that was a, a strong start to the, to the fitness so career. That is so, so there was, yeah, it was, it, was not, it was not so great. So <laughs> that was one. Um, I mean, you, you know, there's things like, and we just even saying this is dumb, right? I had a client who had uh, a sh- bit of a shoulder injury. Mm. I'd been a PT maybe two years or something. And uh, she had just like a chronic bit of crappy shoulder thing. And it hadn't really given her any jip for a while, but I decided. And, uh, you know, that jerky up and down motion with a crappy shoulder is definitely not a recipe for uh, her immediately going, ow, my shoulder, and then her shoulder being in, in a shit place for a few months. That was what should strike you as <laughs> not a great idea of, oh, she's got this crap going on here. Let's do aggressive jerky motions, right, <laughs> for, <laughs> for that particular thing. You know, hindsight's wonderful. Uh, there's, I mean, most of them are just like things and stuff the last one maybe from a coaching perspective and this is probably a, actually a little bit more serious i suppose um usually if you if you stay in this industry long enough you will come across people with a variety of different relationships to food so whether that can be anything from just slightly disordered relationships with things to full-blown eating disorders depending on where someone's at and what they've got going on and one of the only male client i've had with a diagnosed eating disorder um at one point was a guy who had previously been anorexic and he'd been an inpatient and he'd been through a whole bunch of treatment. And, um, it was kind of years ago and get a bit bigger and, you know, lose a bit of body fat and stuff. That wasn't a huge amount. You'd kind of call him that sort of skinny fat look. If I was describing his look, I would never say that to him because that would be astronomically dumb to someone with anorexia. Right. Um, but it's that, that kind of thing. Right. And, uh, we were like, okay, well, well, you know, I asked him some questions of like, what did he think would be the, the right way of, of approaching stuff? And that normally I would get people, and this is 
seven years ago or something kind of like that. Normally I would get people to track things and da 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 da. Um, but did he feel kind of okay doing that? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I think I, I think I can kind of do that stuff. And um, we worked out in the gym and we used way too many of the mirrors uh, and there was way too much attention on what looked. And he, though he built muscle and he lost body fat, he got worse. Like that wasn't worth it for him. Yeah. And I should have known more at the time and I think could have dealt with that better at the time in terms of the approaches that we took and, and tried to implement, even if it was basic shit that wasn't related to dietary stuff. Like if I work with them now, I'd probably be like, let's just start working out and see how that goes and make no other changes to fucking anything. Or maybe just tag a protein shake in if you fancy one after a workout and see how that treats him and see and have a, com you know, a continual dialogue with him about where he's at and what's going on. Yeah. But also, you know, when you've got someone with that type of thing, their attention is almost continually on their appearance and what's going in and everything that relates to that. So to some degree, you're trying to take their attention away from that and find ways of engaging them in other things. Uh, and so, you know, maybe we just work out in a place that's not next to the fucking mirror, right? Or we turn around and face the other way when we're doing certain bits and pieces. Um, and maybe some of the cueing that I use has a different feel to it. And it's not out internal sensation of his body uh, as much so there'd be things i would do differently so that i would consider a mistake um within that as well yeah. so they're the coaching ones as far as like the like uh <laughs> my own fitness journey i mean god I've, I've probably done every dumb thing under the sun over over the years whether it's been like oh, you know, <laughs> yeah like, and there were no carbs after you know 3 p.m for a for a good chunk of time something like that i remember yeah. back back in the drama school days uh, being poor as well. And so it was, I don't know, a mid, mid afternoon meal, uh, being just cold prawns and cold sprouts. That was a particularly low highlight. Oh, I was like, protein and veg. Yeah. Cold. It, it smelt really bad. Yeah. Um, whether those, those were the days of, uh, you know, I, had, I, for a period, this was an old Charles Poliquin thing, um, taking a gram of fish oil per percent of body fat. Oh. And that sometimes meant recommending to clients who had like 40, 50% body fat. Oh God. Imagine how many fish oil tablets that is. So Thankfully, I'm, I'm pretty confident they all just ignored me and didn't do that because they better have, right? Like, because that's an outrageous thing to us. There's going to be one person comments on this podcast. I did that, Paul. You made me do Yeah, that. probably. I'm like, sorry, I apologize, right? Um, you know, it was, I went through a period of, I would only make things with single ingredient foods. <laughs> so if I could only make meals, if I was carrot plus this, <laughs> plus that was necessary. Um, everyone had to squat bench and deadlift because obviously those were always the rules up until not that long ago. Um, so, you know, they're probably most of, of those bits and pieces. I don't treat most of those as like terrible fuck ups because I learned things from them a bit. And I think you kind of have to do some of that stuff yeah. um and they make for funny stories later down the line where you get to reminisce on the dumb shit you did yeah. uh but yeah i mean how, what about you what was uh what, what sticks out in your mind for some of the dumbest stuff okay this is real dumb <laughs> um <laughs> yeah. she was fixated on it was when i was doing my a levels right i was fixated on this idea that you had to eat every three hours like it, it, it had I've been there. Been yeah. on the dot like every three <laughs> hours <laughs> Since 301, right? Yeah. I remember it's every week I had this biology lesson that overran. It was a two-hour lesson, right? And it was right in the middle of that was my three hours I had to eat, right? 
So I had to excuse myself to go to the toilet to go and eat something. And I'm pretty sure this teacher thought I was there's something wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go out to the toilet at the same time every week. Yeah. Just sit there with your Tupperware. <laughs> yeah. I was like, let's bang this food. I can't be too long to think so I'm just having a wee. <laughs> Did you actually go to the toilet to eat it there as well? No, I just stood outside the bathroom. <laughs> Oh, that's a shame. I have just this vision of you like some kind of gremlin, just sat, sat in a toilet cubicle with some Tupperware, yeah, just, just shoveling food in. I wouldn't have Thanks. even passed me at that time. I probably would have done. Oh, that was bad. Uh, um, I used, I hate cottage cheese, and I used to because cottage cheese had more casein in it, some slow-release protein. Used yeah. to have to have that before bed. I... Like, I hate cottage cheese. It's vomit pretending to be cheese. And, like, the only way I could stomach is it, I would put it on some Rivita, and then I'd, like, put a slice of ham on top and then <laughs> and do this. But it, I, I, I hated it. But so I thought that was necessary because the dude at the gym, basically the big dude behind the desk, had told me, like, he'd asked about what I was kind of doing. I think I was having porridge. At that point, he's like, nah, man, here's what you need, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was like, oh, he's right because he's jacked. Uh, so so that's what I did. I fucking hate that. I definitely did the clean eating thing for a long time. I did a post the other day, actually, because I distinctly remember being so, so stupid. I was sat there one day and I was really deep in it, <laughs> thinking about the fact that I'm never going to be able to eat cake ever again. Like, <laughs> what, I, when I tell you I got sad, like, in entirely <laughs> sad, because I thought that was the case now. Like, that's just how it is. <laughs> yeah. I can never have it again. Not like I might break it every now and then. No, I can just never have that again. No, that's that's yeah, it for life. That part of my life has been and gone. <laughs> I was there. I, I had a t-shirt once that said "Eat clean, train dirty." Oh, nice. Because uh, I saw. Do you remember? Uh, maybe this is before your time. Do you remember a TV show called The Biggest Loser? Yeah, yeah. Big in the US, in particular. The one of the trainers on there, Bob Harper, had this this t-shirt that said "Eat clean, train dirty." I was like, yeah. So I used to love that t-shirt. <laughs> I don't know where it will happen to it. But it like Jillian Michaels on that. Yeah, Jillian Michaels was the yeah. other one. Yeah. So yeah. I oh, followed my. her back in the day and I was following all of her like advice, which I now don't. <laughs> but... but you know, those are those are the lessons that you go through. And usually it's because the thing that thing is maybe a little bit better than the last thing that you were doing. And then you, you sort of gradually nudge your way along going. Matt, to the point, you know, maybe we look back on what we're doing now and go, well, that was fucking dumb. Hopefully it's a... <laughs> but you might have the occasional moment where you're like, what was I thinking with that idea? That was that was pretty stupid and weird. But um, yeah, the biggest loser was... Well, also though, I think, you know, we often treat uh, the, if it fits your macros stuff and, and the flexible dieting thing as though that's been there forever. And it's like, no, if you, what do you do without a smartphone? Carry a calculator and a pad yeah. around like no that's not what people like for the most part until 10 years ago it was just meal plans because mm. swap my apple for a pear within <laughs> yeah. within the thing i remember the first when i first qualified you you like you'd have to get your calculator out and you'd calculate out people's calories and what you're going to split their macros and stuff into and then you had to try and figure out what foods into those types of things and it was a right ball ache yeah. um doing those things so you will i i have i've worked the hard yards to make sure that this works and that this fits and uh it's not easy to just change that so clean eating to some degree i think with a lot of stuff 
there's a kernel of truth in lots of things, right? Like most people would do better in their diet if they ate less junk, <laughs> right? That's that's true. But lots of people who then cut out the junk do the thing Philly just described of going, I can never have cake again and my life is sadness now. <laughs> <laughs> And so you get all those these kind of these kind of things where I like I have a theory that because you know you used to eat every three hours right you had to eat little and often to stoke the metabolism yeah. like what was was that the idea like what was your one driven by um I don't know I think someone just told me that I had to eat every three hours right. I think just like you he was jacked and I was like okay that's yeah, how yeah. It exactly. what's for me <laughs> okay. it's cool right um <laughs> but I think that the reason that eating little and often came to be, because it's not true, right? Like if you measure metabolism uh, and the spike that we get from the thermic effect of food and all those kind of things, whether you split it across six meals or you have one big meal, the actual total effect is very, 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 very similar between those two conditions to the point that if there is a difference, it's tiny and negligible, right? So there's no big difference. However, if you've ever been shredded, <laughs> things change a bit. Right. Like if you've been shredded, you'll find that when you eat a meal, you feel like yourself about an hour after you've eaten that meal. You've got more energy. You feel a bit like you. You feel like you've got a personality again. And then about an hour and a bit after that meal, your personality starting to disappear a little bit. You're getting a bit quieter, a bit less like you want to talk. And then about once you're getting into that third hour, two to three hours after that last meal, all you're doing is thinking about your next meal. You've become a zombie. You don't want to do anything. You're like, uh, <laughs> And then you have personality again and you have energy again. And yeah. so in that state, I've thought maybe it came because bodybuilders felt like, oh, I've got energy again. And that's like, if you ask people what metabolism is, most people have no idea what metabolism is referring to. They just mean energy and stuff, right? And whether or not they get fat when they eat things. <laughs> I'm yeah. pretty sure that's what people mean when they, uh, when they use the word metabolism. Yeah. So if they eat and suddenly they get this energy because that's what bodybuilders are feeling within it, then maybe it does feel like little and often stokes the metabolism. And maybe that's where that came from. But then we've got the issue of extrapolating that. And that's not what happens under under the rest of your life. And so, you know, we've got those bits of going, how do you find out what the, the, the correct bits are, what the unnecessary bits are, what the smart bits are, when they apply? Like all of that stuff is, is things that you learn, I think, through a combination of hopefully theory, like you get actual education, and but also some experience. Like you get some of these things you have to, exp it's all well and good talking about hunger, but one of the things we like and stuff, people that are in there as well, because they can relate to us on more, more of a human level of, this is what that feels like <laughs> when you're going through these things. And so I think there's, there's almost two types of knowledge. There's the theoretical and then the experiential. And I think good coaches have both. Yeah, agree. Agree. Oh, there's so many things I could say on that topic. <laughs> Mistake. <laughs> Oh, it's so. What else you got? You got another one? Oh, I've got thousands, probably. I <laughs> where to start. <laughs> That's fair. Back in the day, being in the living room with my mom doing her workout DVDs, dancing around the living room. Nice. Which ones were you doing? Um, Davina. And yeah, then Zumba came in for a while. Um, then <laughs> Julia Michaels, actually. Yeah, and then I started. Nice. <laughs> so it was an evolution <laughs> but then you know often people need to go through that evolution to get to the gym right like okay. some people feel super uncomfortable get just starting there yeah. and so you know 
it, it depends, I suppose, who we're talking to as, as to what those things are. But I like I like taking the piss out of all these things because I think life is often serious enough. And there's like if you can't laugh at things that you've done, you sound like such a chore to hang out with, right? <laughs> I remember mocking not that long ago. I did it years ago and it came up as a memory on Instagram. Mocking Olympic walking. Because oh, Olympic... See, you know what? I saw that on your Instagram. It's so bad. What What are you doing? Just run. You're so close to running. Like, <laughs> if your friend came in and was like, Philly, I'm, I'm, I've taken up a new sport. And you're like, what is it? All right, Olympic walking. And you didn't mock them. Yeah. Right, no, no. However, someone I remember then having a go at me being like, they dedicate lots of their life to this. And I was like, I'm sure they do. They do, because you can't, like, that would take a long time. You're not running. You're walking. 100%. But also, like, I have dieted down, sprayed myself tangerine orange brown in tiny pants and tensed in front of mainly other dudes. If you don't think that's something to take the piss out of, you're not paying enough attention to what you're doing, because that's weird. Yeah. (laughs) Right? I, I played rugby for a long time. I'm chasing a testicle around a pitch and sticking my head in between dudes' legs, right? Yeah. It's a bit gay, right? Like there are things to mo- <laughs> there are things to laugh at and mock about all this stuff. And like, just because you mock something doesn't mean you can't love it at the same time. Like yeah. it's entirely possible to do that. And for me, the people I like the most are people who can make fun of things and t- they still take what they do seriously, but they do it with a smile and they like to joke about stuff. Yeah. And because life is heavy enough, I think, uh, within those things. So- I'm all for mocking shit that we've done in the past. It, we still learn lessons, but we can still laugh at it as well. Exactly, exactly. And I co- couldn't agree more with the race walking. <laughs> <laughs> Pick a different sport. It's not a sport. <laughs> you know what? I think every time I look at it, as someone who has struggled for years with sciatica, like it just doesn't look <laughs> a good idea. Like, literally. You're yeah, like, how are they doing this? Hey, I'm focusing so hard on my walking at the moment because I get sciatica all the friggin' time. And it's like, walking like that does not look just, like it would be a good idea. It's a super weird motion. If you've never if you've never seen it, just Google it now. Go on YouTube and watch some Olympic walking. Yeah, It's a weird motion. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks for having me on. I enjoyed dissing the Olympic walkers and I look forward to the body positive people. Uh, If you could all direct your complaints to Philly, not me, that would be great. Um, (laughs) You can take the heat. Yeah, if you want, just go comment another negative comment on that post I did a few months ago. Just send her, hey, just, (laughs) just, yeah. Slide in the DMs, tell her that, you know, she's stolen your ideas, that they were the people who came up with photo shoots. They're the ones who came up with the gym. They're the ones who came up with walking. Um, so you yeah. should stop nicking my ideas. That's what you should Perfect. do. Perfect. Great. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I will link Paul's Instagram down below. So go and give him a follow. Thanks so much for coming on, Paul. It was great. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Speak soon. Bye.